Well, it's a privilege. This is the first Father's Day that I've uh, in, as I see, it's been 15 years, I think, uh, here at Gateway, or 14. Yeah, but we were youth pastors for two. Um, so uh, I didn't preach on Father's Day. It was the other pastor. But for, I think, 14 years, I've been preaching the Father's Day. And, and uh, today we have Damon Elliott, who is a son of this house. He has come up in so many ways, was with us. How many years was it? Was it six? Oh my gosh, eight years. My Lord, eight years he was with us. And, uh, you know, just really always walked in an honorable manner towards God's people, toward the Lord, um, towards leadership. Just uh, always exhibited such, such class and, uh, and just godliness in uh, the way he lived. And so uh, it's a pleasure to introduce him to you. Most of you know him, some of you don't. But I promise you, you're going to be blessed this morning. Um, I would say this, that in the midst of the word that come, comes forth today, um, let it go in your heart. Not only for yourself, dads, families, but your relationship towards God. May it always deepen. I believe that's the challenge we're going to receive today. Can you give him a hand as he brings the word this morning? Thank you, yeah, I love you. Well, it is uh, so good to see all of you again. It's been uh, over a year since I preached, so I hope that uh, I hope it's going to turn out all right. I was telling Sarah I'm a little out of practice, but that don't stop the Lord, does it? Um, well, first of all, Sarah and I are so excited and uh, happy to be back with you. Um, we are in Greenville, North Carolina. Um, my accent's probably gotten a little thicker. <laughs> I'm in the South. What can I say? Um, but uh, we're, doing, we're doing very well. Um, Sarah and I have been so blessed um, being back home near our families and, uh, and just really thriving in what the Lord has done. It has been a season of stretching, um, to say the least. And uh, we've had many different challenges over the course of the last year. But God has been faithful um, over that year. And so uh, Sarah's actually working at the church that we're attending. It's been a church that I've been a part of for many, many years. Um, I was a part of that church before even coming to Gateway and serving uh, up under this house and Pastor Derek. Um, and so anyway, we're very excited to be back there. Um, and I am still leading worship, um, so I get a, an opportunity to lead about every other week. And so um, that's that's when all is right in the world for me when I'm leading worship. And so, um, anyway, we're, we're so happy to be with you. Nash, our little boy, is not able to be here today because he uh, decided to throw up this morning. And so he's not here. Uh, but Macy is here, and so she's excited to be back. So, first of all, that video you guys posted, <laughs> I have no words. <laughs> It was awesome. I mean, I, and then I looked down at the count, and it's like some 2,000 views of that video. And so anyway, thank you all for the hard work uh, that you guys put into that video. I know that that took a lot of work, um, but I, ju I really do appreciate uh, you guys doing that, and that was just really awesome. So, all right, so let's, uh, let's dive right in. So today is obviously Father's Day, and I was blessed enough to have a great father I still have a great father and a grandfather um, who loved Jesus. Uh, they sowed into me. Uh, they poured into me. Um, my dad's a great man. He prayed for me. He invested time with me, uh, and he was real with me. 
You know, good fathers are real with their kids. You know, they don't tell them all the time what they want to hear, and they have to have very difficult conversations with them at times. Uh, and so, but that's a part of a good father. So many fathers these days just decide to not say anything and just pretend like it doesn't exist. You know, we, we don't like having the hard conversations talking about the birds and the bees and things like that. So we just let it slide and we let our kids learn these things from the world. And that's a completely opposite way that we need to be living our lives as men, as fathers. And I realize that many of you today are either women, so you certainly can't be a father, uh, or you're maybe not a father yet. But understanding the principle we're going to talk about today, I'm going to be sharing with you a little bit about the love of the father. And so understanding the love of the father, what it does is it helps us become better fathers, but it also helps us to understand how we are to be to other people, how to be spiritual fathers, spiritual mothers. And that's my exhortation and encouragement to you as a body. Don't grow weary in well-doing, for in due season you shall reap the harvest. The Lord put that scripture in my heart yesterday. I was sitting on the back porch of my in-laws and you know, I was just spending some time with the Lord and, and the Lord dropped that scripture into my heart because so many times we can get weary in being spiritual fathers and mothers. But that's how the kingdom of God grows. That's how this church grows is by the time that we invest with other people being spiritual fathers and mothers. So don't grow weary in well-doing for in due season you shall reap the harvest. Um, I just, I wanted to go in and we're going to talk a little bit out of Luke 15. So go ahead and pull that out in your, in your Bibles. Our church back home has been doing a series out of Luke 15 specifically uh, over the last several weeks. And it really began to stir in my heart when I figured out that we were going to be back here on Father's Day to talk about the Father's love and try to paint this picture of what God the Father is really trying to get us to understand in these, in these parables. So in Luke 15, a couple things here to note. Jesus is talking to sinners and to Pharisees, okay? It's very important that we understand that because as Jesus goes through these parables and he's talking about the parable of the lost sheep, the parable of the lost coin, and the prodigal son, as he's talking about that, he's painting a picture to the sinners in one respect into the Pharisees and the other, okay? And so if you're taking notes, I've got a few, uh, a few scriptures that I'd like for you to, to write down and a few points I'd like for you to write down today. Uh, but the first thing is, is that as we look at the scripture, and I'm not gonna read it in its entirety, I'm gonna read out some bits and pieces, but we've, we've all heard all these parables. The parable of the lost sheep, the parable of the lost coin, and the prodigal son. It shouldn't be new, and if it is, great, read it right now, it's awesome. But for most people, they've heard this parable even if they're not walking with the Lord because it's such a famous story. And so the first point I want you to write down today is that when we're trying to understand the Father's love, we have to understand that the Father seeks us out. He seeks us out. Now, we, we have this idea that God doesn't search for us. But it's very clear in these first two in the first two parables, the parable of the sheep and the parable of the coin, it's very clear and abundantly clear that the Father seeks us out. Wherever you're at, 
The first parable, what's happening is, is Jesus is talking about the sheep. And how many of you know sheep are kind of dumb animals? It, it's pretty reflective of us as human beings, honestly. We're pretty dumb sometimes. We make some bonehead decisions. Am I right? Has anybody ever made a decision to be like, God, what was I thinking? Jesus is, re- is relating this, this message right here to sheep because sheep are dumb animals. Sheep tend to wander, and then when they wander, what happens is they sit still, they freeze, and they start crying out. They don't want to go anywhere, they just start crying out, and sheep are very vulnerable animals. Why? Because they're white. They have no natural camouflage. And so it's very easy for a predator to pick them off, a wolf to come and pick them off, because they have no natural protection against predators. How many of you know we have no natural defenses against sin? None. We don't possess enough willpower. We don't possess it in us to have any defenses against sin apart from Jesus. And so what happens here? Jesus is talking to the Pharisees, and he talks about how he goes and he finds the sheep. He seeks him out. He goes and finds the sheep, puts him on his shoulders, and carries him back to the flock. Now, I was raised in a, in a church sometimes where, where we, it, was, it was more about how good we lived, right? Works. It doesn't work that way. The grace of God, the mercy of God does not work that way. I can't do enough good works to earn the unmerited, it's called the unmerited favor of God. And so there's nothing that I can do. I can live my whole life. I can be a great person. You know, I can, I can pay my taxes. I can be a good father, a good uh, husband to my wife. I can do all those things, but I don't possess enough in me to absolve myself from sin. It's in me. But Jesus came to seek and save that which was lost. And so as we're thinking about the Father's love today, man, so many times we have this, this preconceived idea and notion that he doesn't, he, he's not seeking after us, that he's just sitting there waiting for us to seek him. Now, granted, we're going to get down a little bit further in Scripture, and there is a time where we have to seek the Lord. But see, the thing about it is the work of grace Jesus did. We couldn't, we couldn't come back to the fold. Jesus had to come and get us from where we are. And so what happens is, is that in this scripture, if you go through and you actually start reading about some commentary on this particular scripture, see, back in the old days, back in the Old Testament days, it, what it was is, is that we had to do something to earn the, to earn the blood, the covering, right? We had to have a priest go in he had to go into the Holy of Holies, cover himself in blood, you know, ear, earlobe, big toe, big thumb, all that stuff. He had to go in the Holy of Holies and sacrifice the animal so that we could be covered from sin. It required somebody to do something. But Jesus is changing the paradigm. He's shifting the paradigm in this scripture because he says, guess what? You don't have to send a priest to come and absolve the sin because I'm coming to do it and the work is done and it's complete. 
And so he's shaking up a lot of these guys' theology as he's telling this story. And he goes through and he starts talking about the lost coin as well. But see, the, the good thing about this is I'm trying to get us to understand about the love of the father is that even if you didn't have a good daddy, some people weren't blessed enough to have a good daddy. It doesn't have to define you of being a good father. It doesn't have to define you of being able to receive the love of a father. Because a lot of times when people don't have good dads and, and they don't pour into them, they don't seek them, then, then we have this skewed idea of what it means to receive love and to receive grace. But Jesus is trying to, to, to shake all that out. He pursues us and desires that we have a relationship with him. He will, he will spare no expense to find you. I don't care if you're living in sin right now. I don't care if you've never confessed Jesus' name. He is pursuing you right now. He wants to have relationship with you. He wants to be in a place where you call him Abba, Father. Pastor Derek had no idea that I was going to talk about that. I'm sure he probably did to some degree. But Abba is a term of endearment. It means daddy. It's like, call it, like my little boy calls me daddy, right? It's a term of endearment. It's not father because father seems kind of, you know, well, yes, father. It's a term of endearment. Listen to this. Galatians 4, verses 4 through 6. But when the right time came, God sent his son, born of a woman, subject to the law. God sent him to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law. Listen to this. Underline this. So that he could adopt us as his very own children. And because we are his children, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, prompting us to call out, Abba, Father. Now you are no longer a slave, but God's own child. And since you are his child, God has made you his heir. Now, what, is it, what does it require to be a person who adopts somebody? What do you have to do to adopt somebody? Well, you have to seek out someone who wants to be adopted. I know many people who have adopted children from China, many countries, even here. But what it required is a person saying to themselves, I want to have a relationship with someone, with a child. I want to have that relationship with them. How many people have ever adopted a kid and, and, and like, I mean, you can't do it. It takes a lot of money. It takes a lot of effort, a lot of work to be able to adopt a child. And God is basically laying out in these scriptures right here that he has adopted us. That means when we were discarded and not part of the family, Jesus came and made us part of the family so that we're no longer slaves, but we're heirs. We're sons and daughters and we're heirs. Now this morning, if you are a dad, let me encourage you to seek your children out. Your children need to see you seek relationship with them. It's critical. It will define their life. It will define who they become. 
And so as we get this revelation of God seeking us out, that we can turn around and put that back into our own children. And even if we don't have natural children, we can do it with our spiritual sons and daughters. After Jesus talked about in the, in the parable of the lost sheep, he said if he loses them, does he not leave the 99 in the wilderness and go after the one which is lost? Listen, until he finds it. And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors, saying to them, rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. Man, the good shepherd will never stop seeking you. My second point today about the Father's love is that he protects us. He protects us. I never knew this until about a, about a year ago. I was listening to a, a podcast uh, from one of my favorite preachers I love to listen to, Jensen Franklin. And uh, so what I'm getting ready to tell you, I do not take credit for. I, I found it online and I heard it on a podcast. So just caveat, okay? But back in the Jewish tradition, okay, when you get down to looking at the prodigal son, and it talks about how the father lifted his skirt, showed his legs, and sprinted to his son. I'm talking about an all-out sprint. It, the, 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 the Greek word is actually like, a, like is a foot race. He sprinted to his son. Now get this. When he gets to him, he kisses him and all this other good stuff. But in Jewish tradition, if a person took their inheritance and squandered it in worldly living, listen to this, they would go through this what is called the kazaza, the K-E-Z-A-Z-A-H. It literally means the cutting off. Any Jew who loses his money among foreigners and then tries to return was ceremonially ceremonially, banished from his tribe. Listen to what they would do. They would take a clay pot and they would fill it with burnt beans and they would throw it at the feet of the one who was trying to come back as a symbolic gesture of you are not welcome here. Now get this, so the father understood that this ceremony was a part of his culture. The Pharisees understood as Jesus was telling this story that the kazaza would have been the proper protocol in this particular situation. And so what the father does is he embarrasses himself by picking up his, his skirt, whatever it is, shows his legs and sprints to his son so that he can get to the son before the, before the village can gather themselves together to cut the son off. So what happened is the father said, before they can get to him with judgment, I'm going to get to him with grace. Mm, that's good. 
Jesus did the very same thing for you and I. We deserved judgment. We deserved every bit of penalty that we could get because of sin. But what happens is, is that Jesus basically picked up his skirt, became an embarrassment, took on the entire sin, weight of sin from all of humanity and hung on a cross and died a horrible death so that he could reach us with grace before judgment could get to us. Mm. The cutting off. It wasn't the cutting off. It was the restoration that occurred here. And so again, Jesus has shaken up their theology. He protects us. The father protected his son from really what is a rightful judgment. It was. It was a rightful judgment. The son deserved to be cut off. He took his father's possessions, took his inheritance. He squandered them on wild living. The, the, the prodigal, the word right there means dissolute, without restraint. He lived without restraint. And finally, he came to the end of himself, and he realized that he needed to, to get back where he was. And so the father protected him from the judgment of the tribe and basically abolished the kazaza. Listen to this. Psalm 91, 14 says, The Lord says, I will rescue those who love me. I will protect those who trust in my name. Psalm 17, 6 through 8 says, I've called upon you, for you will hear me, O God. Incline your ear to me and hear my speech. Show your marvelous loving kindness by your right hand. O you who save those who trust in you from those who rise up against them. Keep me as the apple of your eye and hide me under the shadow of your wings. Now that's some protection right there. A lot of us have kids, right? So when you're driving in a car and you slam on brakes, what's your first reaction, Right? It's instinct. You don't even think about it. They got a seatbelt on. That's, you ain't going to protect them from going out the window. But it's instinct. Do you know why? It's because it's exactly what God the Father has done with us. He has taken the brunt of punishment. He's taken the brunt of anything that we can face. And he say, look, get behind me in the shadow of my wings and I'll keep you safe. I'll protect you. Let me tell you something today, man. There is not, nothing you're going through right now. Not one single thing that God is not able to speak one word and it change. He can speak one word and turn it all around. And all we have to do is pray to the good Lord. God, your word says that you would protect me, that you would deliver me from, the, from the, 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 all the bad stuff that's going on. God, the righteous find you, they'll run into you, and you'll be their strong tower, and you'll protect them. God, I'm, I'm declaring your word back to you because I need some help right now. And God's able to do some miraculous things. But all we have to understand is that he wants to protect us. Man, I would fight tooth and nail and lay my life down for my children. P period. You come in my house and mess with my youngins, you're going to be staring down the wrong end of a barrel. It's natural instinct, but where did we get this? Where did we get this thing in us that changes when we become parents? It comes from the Father, and as we understand that, it can help us be better fathers.
My third point is he rewards us. He wants to bless us. A good father wants to bless his children. He wants to give them good things. Not only, he doesn't only want to bless us in eternity, but he wants to bless us in this life now. Right now. Now, to receive the reward, there are a few things, a few conditions that come with that reward. Because how many of you know grace is free, right? We receive the grace of God. But just because grace is free don't mean that you got to get any rewards. You get the reward of eternal life. But just as Pastor Derek was talking this morning about giving, there's a principle of reaping and sowing. There's a principle of being close to the heart of the Father where we, beget to get, we get to get rewarded for things. There's, there's something called, if you guys have ever heard honor's a reward, and I preached a message on it here before, but see, when you honor those in authority over you, you also get a reward. But God wants to reward us. He wants to give our, his kids good things. Now, let me ask you a question. My, my children, if they come up to me and they're like, Daddy, I love you so much. I just want to spend time with you, and I just love you, and all this other good I mean, I'm, I'm going to be like, okay, what, what do you want? But if your kids want nothing to do with you, they don't spend any time with you, they don't seek you, does that make you want to bless them and give them good things? No. Does it change your love for them? No. Absolutely not. Your love for them is constant. It remains the same. But that doesn't mean that they get to take part in the blessings that God has given me. He wants to reward us, though. Listen to this in Psalm 103. Many of you guys know this. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from destruction, who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagle's. He rewards those who diligently seek him. Maybe you need some blessing in your life. The Father's love for you has not changed. He loves you. But maybe if you just start seeking him, not seeking him for the blessing, because we all can see right through that. My little girl comes up to me, oh, Daddy, I love you so much. Can I buy this? Can I get it? Can I get it? Can I get it? No. You can't. Because, see, her affection is tied to what she gets in return. But yet, when she crawls up in my lap and she sits there and she wraps her arms around me and she says, Daddy, I love you so much. You're the best daddy in the whole world. I can't help but want to bless her. If it is in my natural ability and power to give to her what she needs and what she wants, I'm going to do it. And the Father is the same with us. He rewards us, but we have to diligently seek him. Did the Father reward the prodigal son before he started making his trek back? No. 
the son started making his trek back to the father and had no agenda. There was no agenda. The son basically said, look, man, it's going to be better for me to live in my father's house as a servant than it is for me to go stay over here and live with these pigs. And so if I can just go back to my father's house and just be a servant, it'll be better for me. The son had zero agenda to try to get anything from the father. But the father runs to him. He falls on him and he kisses him. And when he says he kisses him, it means he kissed him over and over and over again like grandparents do when they haven't seen their kids' grandkids for a while, right? And he kissed him over and over again. And he put a robe on him. And he put a ring on his finger. So guess what? When all those, when all those tribes people wanted to kick the son out, that ring right there was the father's authority. And so that meant that that, that, that ceremony of Kazaza couldn't happen anymore because he had been restored to sonship. Man, when we go to God the Father with no agenda and just say, God, I love you. I thank you for all the blessings that you've given me in my life. I thank you, God, that you give me breath in my lungs, that you give me the opportunity to be a husband to my wife, to be a father to my kids. Lord, that you give me the opportunity to go to work every day and work hard for the people I work for, Lord. I thank you, God, that you're, you're working in their hearts right now. God, I pray for those who, are, who want my destruction. Man, when we get to places like that, man, the, the heavens open up and God begins to pour out a blessing that we can't contain. It is a beautiful, beautiful thing. The rewards of God are available to you and to I, but they require something on our part. They require us to seek him. My last point today is that he loves us in spite of ourselves. In spite of ourselves, he loves us. This is probably the most difficult one for us to really understand. It's hard for us to believe that his love is not predicated on what we do. It's extremely difficult. There's nothing that you can do, nothing that you can do that is going to make God love you any less than he does right now. Period. You can be the most vile, wicked sinner known to mankind. But it does not change because his love is unchanging. It is steadfast. Now, again, taking it back to my children. If my children decide that they don't want to be part of my house, if they decide that they're going to live in sin and you know, live a lifestyle that's not lined up with the word of God, does that change my love for them? No. Does it break my heart that they don't want to be in relationship with the Father or with me? Yeah. But is my relationship with them going to be predicated on what they do? It shouldn't be. If it is, you have not got a revelation of the Father's love. 
If your relationship with your children or for your brother or sister for that matter is based upon what they can give you and what they do and how good they live, then your view is wrong. Paul was, you know, one of the greatest apostles. And before he got saved or before he met Jesus, he murdered Christians. He even says that he was the chief among all sinners. And yet he was able to get a revelation of the Father's love and write 1 Corinthians 13. I'm going to read this scripture to you. 1 Corinthians 13, 5 in the Amplified. Listen to Paul. This guy right here would crucify Christians upside down because they were sharing Jesus. He would torture them. He would do all sorts of things because they were preaching the name of Jesus and listen to the revelation that Paul gets. It is not conceited. It is not rude, unmannerly, and does not act unbecomingly. How many of you know he acted unbecomingly? Love does not insist on its own rights or its own way, for it is not self-seeking. It is not touchy or fretful or resentful. Some husbands and wives need to take note of that one. It takes, listen to this, it takes no account of the evil done to it. It pays no attention to a suffered wrong. Wow. Mind blown. A man who could act so wickedly towards the very cause that he was now fighting for and he's able to write such a beautiful picture of the Father's love to us. Aren't you glad that when you slip up and you sin, aren't you glad that God is not sitting there talking to you about how stupid you are? How could you do such a thing? Why would you ever do that? You ain't no son of mine. Aren't you glad that he don't do that? Man, that makes me feel good that I don't have to walk on eggshells with my father. He is secure in his love in, with me, and I'm secure in the revelation that I have about his love for me. Because I understand the picture that he's painting with the prodigal son. He rejoiced that his son came home. He threw a party. Man, he wanted nothing more but to rejoice. And each one of these three parables, they all contained a party. He wanted nothing more than to celebrate the fact that his son had come home. And then you got the older brother. And we act like the older brother. We do. The older brother says, well, you never killed no goat for me, no bull for me. You never thrown a party for me and my friends. I've never sinned against you. See, here's the thing. What Jesus was trying to convey, how many of you in Scripture can see where Jesus actually rebuked a sinner? Who did he rebuke? The Pharisees. 
And so right here, Jesus is taking a little elbow shot at the Pharisees when he's talking about this older brother. Well, look at all the right things that we've done. We've never sinned against you. Really? Like you're, 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 you're pretty naive to think that you've never sinned against the Father, right? Same thing with the rich young ruler. What must I do? Well, you know, I've honored my father and mother. I've kept all the commandments since I was a boy. Well, you still lack one thing. Go and sell all that you owe, own and give it to the poor. See, what happened is, is that we Pharisees, we, we can come up and start talking about all the good things that we've done. Well, see, I lead worship. You know, I mean, I, I, that, we get to a place where we have this holier-than-thou mentality because we forget the revelation of God's love and the Father's love that he put upon me. And so when we're talking about lost people, man, lost people are going to be lost. They're going to do what they're going to do. We can't expect them to be any different. But the only thing that we can do is that we can tell them and show them that there's a better way and that the Father loves them and he desires to have a relationship with them. They get an opportunity to choose whether or not they follow him. But guess what? That choice is not up to me. That choice does not change the fact that he still loves every single person who has a heartbeat on this planet right now. But it's so hard for me to wrap my mind around. But that's why God gave us natural children, so we would understand that on a greater level. God demonstrated his own love towards us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. It says scarcely would a righteous man die for a good man. But even in that we were still sinners, he died for us. He laid his life down and took the penalty so that we could have eternal life and we could have the opportunity to have a relationship with God the Father. And so today, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to close. The only caveat that I have to this message is that while the Father's love never changes, he will not make us choose him. His word says that if you draw near to him, he'll draw near to you. And as soon as he saw the son walking back towards him, he ran to get him. It took a real realization on the son's part that he was a mess and he needed to get out. And when he realized all of that, the father's love did a miraculous work in him. He restored him to sonship. Now today, let his love flow over you. Don't reject it. We all need acceptance. We all need love. Even if we don't get it from some other people, man, God's love is enough. And he's going to send people in your path that will love you and be a reflection of his love to you. It's never too late to start being a good son or a good daughter. Never too late. If you're a father, I hope that you use this outline to help you with your children to reflect his love to them and show them the father.
the disciples told Jesus, said, show us the Father. He says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. That we could be like that and say, man, if you've seen me and you've seen me in action, if you've seen my faith in action and Christ in me, you've seen the Father. And so that's my encouragement to you today. Man, honor your fathers, our heavenly Father, your natural Father. It's the only commandment that comes with a promise. Honor your father and mother that your days may be long and it may go well with you. The only commandment that has a promise attached to it. Honor your parents and honor your spiritual parents, your spiritual fathers. Man, I still, even to this day, I still value everything that Pastor Derek says to me. Even though I'm many, many miles away, man, I still value his opinion and what he says because he's a spiritual father to me. I have, I have a few spiritual fathers, but I'm going to tell you something. I listen to what they say. I honor them because I just hope that I can be a reflection of that to somebody else, that I can be a reflection of that to my own children. And so I really appreciate you guys having me here today. I love you all. Thank you so much. I, I hope that, uh, that something that I shared today has spoken to you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, that your love is able, Lord, to reach us in dark places. That your love, God, it, it, it covers everything that we've ever done, Lord, every, everything we ever will do, Father, that we know, God, that we have the opportunity to be in relationship with you because you loved us. And Lord, help us to get a revelation of that love, Lord, that is something that, that we live out on a daily basis, God, with those that we interact with, with our families, Lord, with the people that we, uh, that we minister to. God, I pray that we could reflect your love to them. God, let it be something that resounds in our spirit, God, that, is, that we have it in the forefront of our minds, Lord. And when we go to work, God, Lord, let me reveal your love to someone today. God, they may not deserve it, but Lord, I didn't deserve it, and you gave it anyway. Lord, that's the cry of our hearts today. Father, we thank you for the day in which we observe Father's Day, and, and Lord, that we can reflect on you as being the best dad there ever was or ever will be. Mm. Lord, we give you all the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to give you an opportunity this morning to respond. We're going to sing a song as we go, and there'll be cake at the back for us to celebrate our fathers. You get to have dessert before lunch today. <laughs> That's what dads do. Moms are like, what are you doing giving them cake? I don't know. I kind of like it in that order, you know. Some of you have great relationship with your parents in here today, and, and I commend that. I celebrate that with you. But there are people in here today who deep down inside are they're hurting. I know what it was to grow up without a father in my life, to have many people in and out of my life, and then even to be in that place of where I was pursuing approval, pursuing acceptance, pursuing involvement, 
you know, just desiring a father to care about me and be involved in my life, and it just never seemed to happen that way. And at 19 years old, I should say 18 years old, I was in my senior year of high school, and, and uh, I was living with my father. He'd come back into my life about a year prior to that. I wanted a relationship. He disappeared when I was four and came back into my life when I was 17. I wanted a relationship with him, uh, something horrible, just wanted it so bad. Went to live with him. He was still an alcoholic, beating his fifth wife. And I came home five minutes late for curfew one night. He's sitting in his chair, drunk, smoking his cigarette. And uh, I walked in, and I said, I'm sorry I'm late, Dad. And he said, in the garage. I went in the garage. He said, he just hauled off and, and punched me, hit me right in the jaw, spun me around. I was seeing stars. And inside me, I remember feeling something just snap. Not a snap of going after him, but a snap of... Loss in the sense I will never have what I desire with you. And it was at that moment that I made a decision to leave home, go in the military, and get away from there. And I got away, and it was in NTC, Death Valley, California, when God spoke to my heart and was going to give me what I had asked for at nine years old, at 19 years old, and that was my wife. We were engaged. And at that point, I entered into a relationship with God that began to transform my life on the way a father-child relationship is meant to be. I want to read to you out of Malachi chapter 4. I'm going to ask you to close your eyes uh, again, and I want to just let these words sink in on the order of parent-children relationships. And he will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of the children to their fathers. Read it again, and he will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to their fathers. And so let this sink in. That God loved us so much that his heart was turned to us to give us his son so that our hearts would be turned back to him. And that's the example we're supposed to set as parents. That our heart are to our children first and then our children to us. Some of you are in here today and you don't have that. I found a relationship with Jesus Christ that restored a relationship to my Father in heaven. And I felt His heart was turned to me first. And it wasn't what I needed to do to earn that. He wasn't rejecting me. He wasn't abandoning me. He wasn't abusing me. But rather, His heart was turned to me to restore me in relationship with Him. And He's the one that did the work. And therefore, the relationship began. And I began to understand what being... A healthy father was. I didn't have the example, but God became that example. His word became that example. So here's what I want to do. Right now, some of you are in here. You don't have a good relationship with your uh, parents. You don't have a good relationship with your dad. Some of you's dads aren't even involved in your life. It's left a void in you that's constantly searching, constantly trying to please others, constantly trying to earn place with others. And in, in the midst of that, you feel like you get used over and over and over again. And God wants you to know that he wants to love you in a way that fills that void so that you can be healthy. If that's you, I just want to ask you to come out. And we're going to pray for you. Just get up right where you are. Come forward here to the front, and I want to pray for you. Don't be embarrassed. Don't be scared. You know, this is a moment where God wants to let you know how much he loves you. Father, right now, I pray that every person in this room feels your heart, the Heavenly Father's heart, turn to them.
And that, Lord, even where they've looked other ways, gone other ways, Father, maybe they're in the midst of some of the most challenging times of their life. And God, you are a Father that will meet them right where they are. And that God will help them. Help them take the right steps. Help them, Father, to overcome those things, Lord, that those weights and father the sins that beset them that keep them from experiencing your best in their life i pray lord the father's blessing over every single one of us in this room today that god your blessing would come down upon us i'm not talking about things i'm talking about the blessing of god a genuine relationship with you every day we wake up may our relationship with you god be so much more than it was the day before. May our desire for you, God, ever increase. Hmm. May we not lose hope, as Damon said. May we not grow weary in our well-doing. The Father, in due season, will reap if we do not faint. So let us, Father, be strengthened by your Spirit in our spiritual man so that our mind, our will, and emotions, and our physical being, God, will follow you with all that we are. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen and amen. Listen, there's going to be a, some containers up here. Uh, we want to be a blessing to Damon and Sarah uh, as they go. And so if you'd like to give, it'll be right up here and you can drop something in there. As we, They're going to bring cake in here and cut it up. And like I said, we get our dessert before lunch today. So God bless you as you go today.